Welcome to the show. Wow, this is exciting. It's Rachel Bolin, bassist and songwriter from Skid Row, is my guest today. Where do I begin on this one? I mean, Skid Row was my literally number one favorite band when I was a kid. Uh, they are the reason that I like metal and rock music. Uh, I was actually more into pop and rap stuff when I was a kid. And then I remember I was hanging out with this girl in eighth grade. And she's like, hey, can we listen to Skid Row? And I was like... I don't care. I'm hanging out with a girl. Like, let's, I'll, you can do whatever you want. And so she put on Skid Row's Slave to the Grind. And my ears, like, perked up. And I was like, what is this music? What, who's this? Skid, Skid what? Skid Row? Like, and then I instantly became a fan. I started getting into Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Pantera, Alice in Chains, all the rock stuff uh, back in the day. But Skid Row, to me, was the coolest. I loved everything about them. The name, the logo, their look, their sound, the songs, the home videos. They showed like how they were just such a fun and cool band to hang out with. Uh, so it was just very surreal to chat with Rachel today. And he was such a cool guy. You know, they say don't meet your heroes, but I'm so glad I got to meet Rachel and chat with him. It was just a lot of fun. He's a funny guy. Great stories. Um, Skid Row is just, there's a, they're an amazing band. They've had some amazing success. Uh, their debut album sold 5 million copies in the U.S. They had two top uh, 10 power pop hits. Uh, and then the Slave to the Grind record, that was the first metal album to debut at number one in the charts. And they toured with everyone from Aerosmith to Soundgarden. So do yourself a favor. Definitely take a listen to their music, especially the first two records, if you haven't already. And if you are a fan, you're going to love this interview, I think. It was a lot of fun. Check it out. Good. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Chuck Shoot Podcast. I really appreciate you doing this. This is. I'm going to try not to fanboy out too much, but I like you guys were my number one favorite band in high school. So this is a little weird for me. That's killer. And I love the shirt. <laughs> yeah, I wore that. I know you're a big fan. So yeah, I wore that for you. Um, so yeah. yeah, let's just get right, dive right into it. Um, cool. Talk about your background. Uh, so you're, you were exposed to a lot of different kinds of music. And I thought that was interesting that your first concert was actually Liberace. And that's when you decided you were going to be a rock star from Liberace concert. Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I knew cause I, I was such a young kid and, um, it just moved me. Like, I can't even describe it. I can remember, like, I mean, it's going over 50 years ago that that happened. And I, uh, I can remember it like it was yesterday, man. And it just had such an impact on me, the, the, the sound of the crowd and just his over, overall talent. And, um, just the, the people feeding off of, of what he was doing and him feeding off of the crowd as well. Yeah. It just had a huge impact on me. So it was a lot of like, not just the music, but the showmanship and stuff, right? Or I don't, I've never been to a Liberace concert, but I imagine yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, that was the only one I was ever at, but yeah, it, yeah, it uh, it just, it was just him and a piano and just his playing and, and people were so entranced in what he was doing. And it was, uh, you know, just, you could feel it. You could just feel everything in the air. And, and um, hmm. yeah, after that, after that, I started listening to so much more music, you know, of my brothers and sisters that they had on 45s and stuff. And the living room stairs became my stage and the entryway to the house was the big crowd. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It was all up here. And uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty monumental. But Kiss was really the thing that got you into rock. Like that was your first rock concert, the rock and roll all over album. And that's when you decided to play the bass. Cause you're like, well, that's what Gene Simmons does. And he's awesome. He spits fire. I want to do that. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And uh, I showed the pictures to my parents at the dinner table and they were like, huh, 
all right. <laughs> so, and my mom said, what's the bass? And I'm like, it's, it's bass, mom. It's pronounced bass. <laughs> Didn't you get in trouble for like taking the album to school for show and tell or something that. Oh, that was, uh, that was, um, Alice Cooper. Or Alice Taylor. Cooper. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so then you play the bass, you're in a couple bands and, um, your life changes when you meet snake at a music store. And he says that this is, I love this. You walked in, this had to be the eighties. You walked in wearing a pink beret and a red leather jacket and snake is like, this guy's a rock star. But I heard you say that you were kind of like an uncool kid in high school. So did you, when did you become cool? Well, I always thought I was cool, but, <laughs> but I never, I didn't really fit into anything. Cause there, there were, you know, I like punk rock and I like kiss and there was just very few of us, you know, um, there, there were the deadheads, uh, the, the lead heads, you know, and then the, uh, Southern rock bands and then just, you know, the jocks and stuff like that. And I never, I had friends kind of in, in each of those cliques, but I never really truly fit in. So hmm. I always felt that, you know, that, yeah, no, I, I didn't feel cool, but I, in my head, I was like the coolest kid around, you know, because I wore a leather jacket to school or, you know, I wore sex pistols or a Ramon shirt to school or kiss and whatever. And then, you know, I took a lot of flack for it, but you know, Oh, you just, so you did kind of got bullied a little bit or like shit. Uh, I got, I got bullied when I was a little kid. Mm. Yeah. Because I, um, I, I, you know, I kept my hair longer and, Mm. um, but my parents were always, always about doing your own thing. And, and, uh, you know, my, my dad said you could either run or if, if people pick on you, you could either run away or you could fight them because, uh, you know, he always used to use this, this one saying, he's like, if they're bigger than you and they're picking on you for no reason, he goes, hit them with a stick. <laughs> there you go. And, and that I kind of applied that to everything I do in life. If yeah. I see a challenge in front of me, I hit him with the, hit it with the proverbial stick. You know what I mean? A metaphorical stick. And, uh, yeah. So I, I just, I, I got through it best I could, you know, and, and, uh, here I am, you know, bullying uh, is a lot worse today because you have the internet and whatnot. Right. Back, oh, that's scary. Back then, yeah. Back then it might've meant a punch in the face or, or, you know, get knocked down and made to eat dirt or whatever. But, you know, I, I never, I never stood down. Hmm. Uh, even if I get my ass kicked, I just didn't stand down and it's not in my nature. That's yeah, no, that's well, yeah, like your songs we'll get to. But uh, so, yeah, so you met Snake at the music store. And then this is crazy. I heard uh, Scotty join the band. He was actually from upstate New York and he would drive. You knew that he was for real because he, he would drive three and a half hours to try out for your band. But that was for the band before Skid Row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were looking for guitar players and um, we uh, I was keeping a you know, I put an ad in the Aquarian, which was the music newspaper still is, I think, uh, yeah. the tri-state area. And, um, he, uh, and I, I just write names of people that call the, the, we're on the answer machine and I call some back and I kept just skipping over Scotty's because he was so far away. And then, um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to call this dude, um, and just see what's up. Just pick his brain. And I was like, dude, you know, you're almost four hours away. He's like, yeah, I know. He's huh. like, I'll come down. I'll drive down. And he did. And he started playing. And the drummer, Damien, and I, we were just like, you got to be kidding me. This guy's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 
And uh, I went into work the next day just so psyched because Scotty drove home that same night. You huh. know, he came, he drove eight hours for to play for an hour. And yeah, uh, his work ethic and just his uh, dedication was, was, uh, it, it blew me away and him and I became friends really fast. Like, so did he tight. then eventually move at what point did he move? So that, cause you guys are in a band called Godsend, or correct. Yeah. yeah. And he, um, um, well, he started staying, we'd rehearse on the weekends, oh. like, uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And he'd come down, uh, he'd drive down Friday and then stay at my parents' house with me, um, until, Sunday night and then he'd drive home and then then he eventually uh when Skid Row happened he moved to Jersey full time. Right. So Skid Row happens you guys bring in uh Snake you 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 know you start the band. Um so I'm curious like I didn't know I just found this out your stage name was a combination of your brother Richard and your grandfather uh Manuel and then you also your Alice Cooper fans so you're like well Rachel it's a girl so I'll just and Bolin obviously <laughs> Mark Bolin from T-Rex but I'm curious yeah. about like the name skid row and the logo like who came up with that because that's that was one of my biggest things when i was a kid was like that logo just looks so cool and like the name it just sounded cool like who came up with all that stuff yeah snake and i came up with the name um this is before scotty was even in the band it was uh i was jamming with snake and um scotty and i were in a band before skid row and we disbanded and um Hmm. snake had a band together and we uh you know we we're driving up to rehearsal one day and the band was actually called darkness believe it or not mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so, yeah yeah so he um i i asked snake i go are you really into this name he's like yeah i kind of dig it but i'm not 100 percent sure but i think all the guys are into it and i was like uh he's like obviously you're not <laughs> i was like i don't know man i think Think really something more to us especially the direction of the songs and just something that more encompasses where we are at in our lives and and we came up with skid row on the way to mm. um on the way to rehearsal and told the band that we were changing the name and they were just like pissed and and um it's okay none of them are in the band anymore anyway right so then uh yeah that that's when the name was born and we attached it to uh all the songs we had written and it just made it just made way more sense yeah because we had absolutely nothing like pooling our money together to make it to rehearsal on gas and paying the tolls on the jersey uh the the garden state parkway and man i mean you know, other than, than living off my parents is, you know, I didn't want to, um, but I had a, uh, a JC Penney's credit card that I used to use for the cafeteria there. <laughs> really? There. Interesting. Deal, That's yeah, cool. Another, another struggling musician buddy of mine turned me on to that. He's like, yeah, man, you could eat so much for so cheap and just <laughs> pay it at the end of the month. <laughs> you could go Interesting. during all you could eat. At. I ate with so many uh, people over 80 years old. It was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know JC Penny had a cafeteria. That's hilarious. They used to. It was okay. a very small cafeteria. And then it turned into kind of a restaurant, but it's just fluorescent lights and, and you know that's it was, funny. It was, yeah, it was pretty funny. But man, it was it was, it was sustenance, you know. Yeah. 
So this is a cool little side note for the people who don't really know the whole story with Skid Row. Um, obviously, John Bon Jovi was an integral part of your success. And this was so smart of Snake. So when Snake and John Bon Jovi, they, they grew up neighbors and they were kids. I don't know if it was seven years old. I don't know what the actual age was, but I think I heard seven. They made a pact that whoever became a rock star first, they would use their influence to help the other person. That is so smart of him to hitch his wagon to John Bon Jovi. Like he must have <laughs> known like, I bet that kid came out of the womb just, like, looking like a rock star with perfect hair. Like, he knew. He's like, I'm going to hitch my wagon jeans. to that guy. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was you know, you, you can't, uh, you, you, no one could ever accuse Snake of uh, not being clever. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, they, they made that. I'm, I'm not sure of the age that they made that pact either, but uh, they did. And uh, obviously, John uh became very successful and those guys are still uh dear friends to this day yeah so and, what did yeah sorry go on yeah yeah so so they made that pact and and john hit success first and uh for a short time they actually played together in a band um john oh. became successful first and he you know he uh he he kept the pact that's super cool. I love loyalty things like that it's really cool so what advice yeah. did he was it mostly just like they would tell you how to tweak songs like, Hey, change this part, change that. Like they like kind of put you guys to work, right? Cause you guys would be working and slaving away, writing these songs. And then they would hear them and go, you need to change this. You need to fix that. Right. Uh, yeah. John, especially he would make suggestions, you know, um, we, uh, you know, we bounce ideas off of them. It, it was never like do it my way or you guys are idiots, but it was just like, you know, th this part, this is from my experience and this and that. And he just, uh, he taught us some very valuable lessons of songwriting in general. We don't really write um, the same way, uh, but he, the, the thing, the, the most valuable lesson I think John taught me anyway is um, you have to write stuff that's not so self-indulgent that you're going to be the only one that understands what you're saying. You have to write for um, people to understand, you know, other other people to understand stuff. And, you know, you could be metaphorical and you could be poetic, but if you're trying to reach other people, you have to make it a little more general and not uh, self-indulgent. And that, that was really, really important because, you know, you want to create a song or a poem or whatever it is, and you want to make it kind of like a suggestion, uh, unless you're telling a literal story, you want to make it a suggestion, but you also want to, don't want there to have to be cliff notes to it. You know yeah. what I mean? For people what you're saying no i think that's what that, that's a good that's good advice because it definitely those songs resonated me with me and I, you know I, that's what i hated about english class and literary thing i would read stuff i don't understand this i mean I, when i listen to your guys songs i those lyrics yeah that totally resonated with me i knew exactly what you guys were talking about that's cool yeah, yeah. so uh yeah that that was that was a really valuable lesson that john taught me as a songwriter yeah so you guys got to open up for bon jovi when you had the other singer uh matt fallon and uh, it's so fat. Like, I feel so bad for that guy. Cause he was like, almost, he was a singer skid road, almost made it. Then he was, he was the singer. I don't know if it was anthrax first, but he was a singer in both those bands. And then, you know, just, it's like, God, that'd be so close. But doc McGee was the guy that said, you guys got to get a new singer. So you got rid of him and then you auditioned yes. some other singers. Um, 
This is a crazy story. I didn't know. I, I thought this was like internet farce or something, but then I heard you guys talking about it. John Karabi, who would later go on to be a singer Motley Crue, he was given uh, an opportunity to audition for the band. Mm-hmm. He blew it off. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he blew it off. And uh, to this day, he'll, he'll see me. He's like, yeah, I'm really glad I blew off that, that uh, audition. <laughs> like, why did he blow? Like, what was his story or reason? Because too far away. He was in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we weren't far from Philly. We were about an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Uh, not even maybe an hour and 10. But he, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think he told us that his water heater broke. I think that was him. Somebody that we auditioned <laughs> said, uh, I can't come in. My water heater broke and uh, my my basement's full of water and then never heard back. But yeah, John, uh, I, I bust his butt. How did you, to... how did you even find him? Did he send in a tape or something or someone recommend him? I or? Th- no, I th- yeah. Someone recommended him. I think snake jammed with him once or mm. maybe a few. So did I forget one of the guys knew him. Okay. And I know what, got here myself okay yeah you, he, I, th- I think it i think it was snake because okay. snake had had a a lot of ties to the whole philly scene gotcha know? okay that and makes sense that, yeah so i i think that's how john's name came up and then yeah he blew us off. that is so that is just such a i'm surprised no one ever i didn't know that i, I thought of myself as a diehard mm-hmm. fan i never knew that story i couldn't believe it but um yeah. so anyways you get sebastian bach the uh the rest mm-hmm. is history but I'm curious about this part. So like in t- up until the time that you guys got signed, um, you would rehearse in your garage. And like, I think it was like your parents said they had to turn the TV up full blast to like drown out your so- sound. And then it sounded like, how did you guys like, can you talk about the work ethic? Cause I, people, I think people always assume that some of these rock stars, Oh, they just, they have it lucky. They're lucky. That's always like a, a thing I hear from people's success. Oh, they got lucky. Oh, they knew Bon Jovi. So it's lucky. But I mean, it sounded like you guys were working day jobs and then you'd come home and you'd rehearse and you'd write songs and all that stuff. And then you, I heard you stay up to like five in the morning sometimes and then go to work at eight in the morning. Like talk about your, like how hard you guys worked in those days before you made it. Well, yeah, we'd, we'd rehearse about five days a week. Um, and you know, whatever time we, we had to stop by 10 because like you said, it was in my parents' garage it was two car garage. Uh, we had to stop by 10 because of the neighbors, but we, we pretty much do about six hours a day, six hour rehearsals for five days a week. And when, when we weren't doing that snake and the snake and I were writing constantly after we got out of work and sometimes on the, on the days off, um, you know, we, we would, uh, we'd write and we just keep going sometimes till seven in the morning getting a quick hour sleep and then all going to work and getting home going straight into rehearsal so it was i mean uh luck is a small part of success it's all the hard work and um that leads up to that lucky that small luck window Mm -hmm. is what what really um uh, what really brings on the success, you know, uh, we, we, yeah, we were nonstop and then we tried to get as many gigs in as we could. But, um, I, I just remember some days where snake and I would be writing. I remember you as one of them where we were writing and writing and writing and writing. And I, um, I just remember like looking over at snake 
And and he's looking at the clock. He's like, oh, my God, I got to be to work in like an hour. <laughs> and and like everything was fuzzy. Everything was totally fuzzy. And, and uh, yeah, we, we went to work right after that. And then either rehearsal or writing some more. You know, we just wanted to keep piling up the songs and getting as many as we could. And then, uh, you know, uh, getting feedback from John and Richie was really important. And uh, we were just demoing stuff with, with drum machines. And then sometimes we didn't even have a microphone and we'd sing and we'd, we had, had a broken, um, like we took a speaker to like the casing off a, a pair of headphones and we took the speaker and we just used that to sing into and just get a slightly distorted, but we would get a scratch vocal down, you know, mm-hmm. singing through, hmm. singing through the speaker and through the mic input. Cause we were broke, man. We couldn't afford anything. We we're, recording on a, a a used Yamaha four track that was on cassette and we just keep bouncing tracks and bouncing to where you hear all that bleed and that hiss but we got the idea of the song across and that's what we'd shop too wow we'd shop stuff like that and did that's you do another thing that, that we were doing in between everything else is going to new york yeah weren't you literally knocking on doors and like trying to get people to sign yeah it? yeah we had we had some um scheduled things that, that we were lucky enough for friends to uh set up for us and and the fact that that john was uh uh we got the endorsement from john you know bringing up his name helped a lot obviously um but yeah sometimes we'd be like well we just went to a m records and we're right across the street from you know the offices of whatever records mm. let's just Hell with it. We got a few more cassettes in our pocket. Let's just go say we have a meet. Let's look up like who who's the AR guy there? Who's whoever there? And let's say we have a meeting with him. It's like, oh, I don't see you on the list. It's like you'll have to sit down and, and wait. He'll he'll be done at two or whatever. Oh, wow. Sometimes they'd let us in, sometimes they wouldn't, but most of the times they did. Wow. And uh yeah, but they were there. Failure was not an option. Snake and I, that was the one thing. Snake and I were when I met him, I, I realized quickly that we were both on a collision course with success. And, wow. and it, it just, there was nothing that was going to hold us back. We, it would, it would be so cold out sometimes in New York, so damn cold that we would be, <laughs> our hands would be so cold. We're like, okay, let's go buy a cup of coffee and then just hang out in this place <laughs> and just nurse it as long as we could just to get warm before our next you know, our next meeting. Did you do like the, I know in, in LA, they talk about the flyering, like where you put the flyers up all over the place to, to promote your shows and stuff. Did you do that? We didn't really have to do that. That wasn't a thing in New Jersey okay. or New York. You know, we'd, we'd make up some of them and, and take them around. Or, or if there was like a board at the, uh, at, at the um, venue, mm-hmm. you know, we would stick something up on there, but mostly we would uh, uh, just rely on the club itself to do whatever promoting yeah and uh, yeah it uh it was all worth it you know and uh, like my dad always used to say you could never be afraid of hard work no that's amazing so you yeah. finally get an offer it's actually first you're offered uh by jeff uh, geffen sorry and um the ink wasn't even ready to paper and then atlantic's uh swooped in which was good because didn't you say that geffen they wanted to scrap all you had like 30 songs written. They wanted to scrap all of them except for 18 in life and making a mess. So they wanted to yeah. scrap like youth gone wild and piece of me. And yeah, well, Atlantic had, had been, 
uh, especially Dorothy and Jason, they, they'd been, you know, tracking us for a long time and coming to a lot of shows and, yeah. and they, they wanted us and they, they were actually the first to make the offer. And then, um, Geffen came in and upped it and, you know, the powers that be said, well, we're going to go with Geffen and snake. And I were just like, the, after our like showcase for them, they picked all the songs that we didn't want to do. And they, they even wanted to make the producer that they brought, wanted to make making a mess all halftime. And it wanted, <laughs> wanted it to be slow. And we were just like, you're going to tell this story that we just told in three and a half minutes in seven minutes now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. So yeah, it was just, we weren't feeling good about it, but we were listening to management and, and then thankfully uh, Atlanta came back and up the offer and we felt way better about it because they like things, how we wrote it and they wanted the band to be the band, you know, mm-hmm. and, and um, it all worked out, you know, Geffen's great, was a great label, you know, and they had guns and we were psyched about that. But hmm. I think what they wanted was a more pop band. Yeah. And they scrapped, all of our heavier stuff hmm. where Atlantic, I think wanted more of a guns and roses type band with, with, with you know, a uh, uh, more street feel to it. And, and uh, they, they genuinely did love our songs and they came to so many shows. They saw tons of shows and, and uh, so it, it all worked out. Yeah, definitely. No. So like before recording the album, you guys got to meet with producers. This is always like fascinating to me, like which, who you pick. So you picked Michael Wagner because he let the band be the band. That was his thing. He's like, I'll let you guys be the band, but just at least try my ideas. So that yeah. seems to work out because you got two, I mean, at least the first two albums, and then he's doing the, the your newer stuff too, right? We we worked on some stuff with Michael yeah. for the new what what the new stuff that we're doing. Yeah, he he uh man, we met with a lot of a lot of producers. Um, like that did a lot of big bands and we were like cool, but it, there just wasn't I don't know, you know, we, the vibe, we, yeah. We, yeah, we're just, we're just kind of down to earth dudes. And, and we didn't really care about their accomplishments as much as we cared about the sounds of things they did. And, and, and um, just their overall, you know, gelling with the guy in a room for an hour, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. when Michael came, he just showed up, uh, you know, Jason Flom brought him in to um, come see the show. I think we we're in, Rhode Island at the living room. I don't, I doubt that's even there anymore. And so we talked to him after the show at a little table. And that was the thing he said, first of all, he's like one of the nicest people you ever meet. And he, he's done a lot of records that the, the whole band really liked. Mm-hmm. And, and when he said, I don't want to change anything. I just want the band to be the band. That's the most important thing. Snake kicked me under the table. And I was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, yep. And we're like, cool, man, this is great. And then we're like, this guy has to do the record, you know, has awesome. to do the record. And, and, um, uh, you know, we did the first two records with him. And yeah. It was great. I love the results. I'm obviously, so the first album, you know, it's a huge hit. And, uh, the first single youth gone wild is the first single. Then I heard you guys had to actually fight, for the second single to be 18 in life. Cause they wanted, I remember you, but I think I don't know if it was you or snake that said, if we release, I remember you like, that'll be it. Then we, there won't be any more singles 
Because that's like how, the way that it went. It would be like the ballad was the last single, or that was kind of your theory. And so then you, yeah, yes, sort of. We we didn't we didn't want to follow the exact formula that seemed like a lot of bands were doing because of that reason. We didn't know for sure whether yeah. it would be the last or not, but um, you know, it was actually Richie Sambor's idea. He's like, you should release eighteen in life. He's mm-hmm. like, you guys obviously have that that crowd that is more street than a lot of other bands that are out there now. Um, Youth Gone Wild made such a statement, and if you come out with something so pretty afterwards that he goes to me, that's kind of confusing. And then there was a lot of resistance Mm. uh, about doing 18 and um, thankfully we won and they trusted us enough. The label trusted us enough to, to go with our gut and, and ended up selling more as a single than I remember you did. Yeah. And that's interesting. I think you guys are right because after I remember you, it was like, you had another single after that. My one of my favorite songs, "Piece of Me," and um, I think that's like a really underrated song. Um, I always look for it in karaoke. I can never find it. And like every, I go to a new city. Yeah, I always look for it. I'm like, oh, I really want to sing this song, and I, I cannot. Does that exist in karaoke anywhere? I I don't know. (laughs) You guys get paid for those things. You get like royalties or anything, or? Yeah, I well, yeah, I mean, just off album sales, and it gets played a lot on on a lot of. you know, it gets played on satellite. It gets played on a lot of European stations. But, I love um, that song. <laughs> okay, so it was piece of me. I can't remember. Was that after I remember you or before I remember you? I think because, that was the fourth single. I I, I thought because because I know we did we released that song and the video right before we went to Europe. As okay, a bridge trip. So I, I'm not sure of the order, but um, yeah, yeah, we, we did that as a bridge track. Okay, and, uh, yeah, it ended up. Um, it ended up being like, it's, it's one of our bigger songs in the set, which is really it. cool. Yeah. And a little, uh, a little trivia for you. If you Ooh. go slow and you see this blonde guy stage diving into the crowd, it goes by like that. Yeah. If you see this kid with long blonde hair stage diving into the crowd, it's John five from Rock. No Rock. way. <laughs> yeah. He told me that wow. the other day. I saw, I saw him. He's like, do you know, I'm in the piece of me video. And I was like, and he goes, I'm that blonde kid stage diving. It goes That's by really fast. Crazy. Was that just a regular show or was that like, did you guys hire extras to do that stuff or? That was extras. Yeah. Oh. yeah we, brought in, we brought in a crowd and um, it was at, I forget the name of the, the club it was at, but yeah, it was, it was staged. It was all set up, but we, uh, That's crazy. Yeah, they, they kept it so cold in there that they had to, that we couldn't sweat. And they were spraying us with spritzer bottles. And we're just like, (laughs) (laughs) and they're spraying us with spritzer bottles. And once we got going, the lights would warm us up. But it was so cold in there. Oh, wow. So here's another piece of trivia that I learned. This is is hilarious. And when I listened to this song, so Making a Mess, apparently, can you explain the story how uh, Snake sings lead vocals on that song for like one second? (laughs) One word. One word. It is. Yeah. So, cause I always thought with the way it ended was you, uh, so I never like read the lyrics, I guess, but it, it said, I thought he said, it'll be the biggest mess you ever made, baby, but it's, it's the best ma- mess you ever made. Right. Yep. And they, it's, uh, it was supposed to be the best mess you ever made. Um, and then they wanted to change it. I forget who I thought you said it was Bon Jovi. It might. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, I think it was. It, it was Johnny. He goes, ah, that should be changed to last. And so uh, Sebastian was already home. And yeah. um, so Snake is like, well, I'll change it. And they change it. And it's like, nah, go back to best. So I don't even know what's on there. I can't even remember what's on there. But whatever's on there is the original word. Yeah. Because we went to another one and they mix it together and Michael EQ'd it. And yeah, that one word is actually snake. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Is that silly? It's so <laughs> like, funny. I'm just like, wow, we are splitting hairs here, man. Yeah. But you can't tell that it's somebody else. It's not like really like abrupt where it says it'll be the best mess you ever made. It doesn't yeah, sound, yeah. it sounds like it's Sebastian singing. So great. Good, good yeah. mixing job, Michael Wagner. So yeah. Yeah. And also, um, on I remember you, um, the at the end there's a harmony on the word i remember right before the big long note and that harmony on there is john bon jovi oh wow i don't uh, yeah did he get a credit for that same no same oh. visit oh. and he goes i gotta be on this record somewhere <laughs> and so, so michael was mixing i remember you and michael's like do a harmony on here somewhere so we did it right at the end wow. it's just i remember and that's it wow He's that's harmony. crazy so you guys did so many amazing tours, Aerosmith. And um, I think Guns N' Roses, like that would have been, I wish that I didn't get into you guys until the Slave to the Grind record, but man, Guns N' Roses and Skid Row, that would be like one of my dream shows. What was, do you have any memories of that tour, like touring with them? Well, there's a riot. <laughs> there was that. Okay. Um, yeah. You know what? Um, we didn't hang a lot, you know, uh, it, they, you know, back then it was, it was party central with those guys, but, sure. um, didn't really hang a ton. Uh, had some really deep conversations with Axel and, hmm. and, and at times like maybe two, but the, I think the guy I, um, but Izzy was really, really cool. He, um, obviously he left like mid tour. That's when he left the band, but I, I had one, conversation with izzy and it lasted almost two hours we, we were talking outside the bus and he was into like dirt biking and go-karting and all that stuff and that's kind of stuff that i liked i noticed he had a trials motorcycle and, and um he was washing it outside his bus i was like you do trials and he's like yeah you know trials so anyway and then we hmm. talked for about two hours and that that was really the only conversation i had with him the whole tour and i remember um telling duff i was like man izzy's a really cool dude i talked to him for like two hours and he goes who'd you talk to? <laughs> i said i thought i said i talked to izzy for like two hours and he's like dude every guy in this band collectively haven't talked to izzy for two hours all month <laughs> i thought that was hilarious wow I was like, that dude is so cool. And we're into all the same kind of crazy yeah. recreational shit. But that, yeah, he was, he was really cool. Yeah. That's crazy. So uh slave of the grind record comes out. I think I love that. This is like, seriously the first, I used to be like into rap and pop and stuff. And uh, I was hanging out with this girl one, one day and she's like, Hey, can I put on skid row? And I was like, I don't care. Like I'm hanging out with a girl. Like I'm just excited. So <laughs> she puts that album on and like, I'm like, this is actually like really, I really like this album. Who is this again? Like, and that, that's what, uh, that changed my life. That's why I'm doing rock interviews instead of pop or rap or whatever. So I think oh, it was, a, awesome, yeah, it's super cool. It totally changed my life. That's you guys became my favorite band. I love everything about it, but you know, it like became, it was a heavier sound, but this was interesting. I didn't know this. Um, is it true that the record label wanted to have a bikini model 
star in the in the video to the title track slave to the grind because i was watching that video again last night and i'm like trying to figure out how do you put a bikini model in slave to the grind i don't think so yeah no we 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 had a pretty strict policy of not doing the tna thing in our videos because uh we wanted to keep it you know just keep us a little different than everyone else because that seemed to be the norm and um i don't know of any any videos maybe psycho love had a silhouette yeah that makes sense uh, yeah we didn't we didn't go for that kind of stuff yeah because it didn't make any sense to me yeah 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 i don't i don't think i think that's purely rumor especially with that time with that heavier album and you toured with uh pantera and soundgarden yeah that yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's got to be crazy touring with those guys. Like I, I interviewed the guitarist from Sacred Reich and he said like they dumped a bunch of hamburger meat on them at the end of the tour. Is that like a thing that you, that you guys do on each other, right? You dump stuff on each other at the end of the tour? You know, sometimes um, with Pantera, I don't think we did anything to them. Um, may, maybe it probably did something stupid on stage while they were playing, but we, we didn't like it done to us. You know, mm. we weren't crazy about it. We didn't want it to disrupt the show, but uh, we had so much fun with the Pantera guys. It's ridiculous, man. Like, oh, yeah. No, I remember watching the videos. And that was the other yeah. thing. Like, no one ever talks about. You guys had two videos, Roadkill. And then what's the first one called? Oh, say, can you scream? Is that what it's called? Yeah. The home mm-hmm. videos. Whose idea was that? To I mean, because this is kind of a revolutionary idea at the time to take home videos of all the two. Because this is before cell phones where everyone just had a camera in their pocket. You had to, like, carry the big camcorders and shit. Like who, who <laughs> yeah. thought of like doing that? I mean, it was so, I, that was like another thing that I became a huge fan of you guys. I was like, God, it looks so fun to just like hang out with these guys. Yeah. I'm not sure whose idea that was. It just, I think it just kind of happened organically because we all had video cameras oh, okay. and just, we had so much footage. It just kind of gave it a insider view of what we're doing sometimes. And just <laughs> it's the stupidness that happens when you, you know, Mixed rock band and alcohol. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Is there any, was, uh, uh, so many fun things. So many. Is there any plans to do like a re-release of those, like with deleted scenes <laughs> or, or is there any footage that you can't show people that you have? You're like, Ooh, this, this can't go on the DVD. Um, nah, not really. I mean, I got a box of, uh, little super eight tapes, but we used all the good stuff pretty much. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're looking to re-release those videos. It's just, um, you know, we got to wait till we claim ownership on them again, because we've been offered to do it through labels and it's, it's, it's a business thing, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, let's do it at a 10% royalty rate type of crap. And it's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We're that stupid. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Gotcha. We built this and we don't, we don't want any money for it. You know, you guys take all the money. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's just silly stuff like that. But but we we will have those soon, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll put them out. Yeah. So then the next record, I love this record too. I know you're not a, as big a fan of it, the Subhuman Race. So mm. why are you unhappy with the production? Did you, did you not like Bob Rock's production? Was that part of, or just didn't think it was a good fit for your band? Or why did you guys pick Bob Rock in the in the first place? Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, we 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 all he was. We agreed on him, I should say. Um, we, we all had different ideas of who we wanted, but mm-hmm. Bob Wood mm-hmm. was someone that we uh, liked. We liked the stuff that he did with Metallica and, and with the cult, especially. 
Mm. And uh, yeah, but that that album just kind of seemed that it. Um, no one was really interested when we did that record, band included. It's just like we were kind of doing it and getting through it, and the the musical climate had changed so much, and yeah. there was so much tension within the band. And it's just something that you know when when I hear it. I, I listen to the mix and I listen to the production and it just sounds like we just got in there and did it and got the hell out, you know, hmm. uh, that I, there, there are good songs on there that I would like to re-record hmm. one day. Um, but yeah, it's just not one of my favorite records. Hmm. That but, we did. Yeah. You did get to, um, yeah, that was the nineties. So things were a little tough, um, for bands that had the 80s stamp on them, but you got to tour with Van Halen and they were still doing okay. So, and obviously, yeah. you know, Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen just passed away. Do you have any memories of, of him? Did you get to hang out with him at all or interactions? Um, it didn't really. The only guy I, I talked to a lot was uh, Michael, uh, who was super cool. He used to set up like in his guitar world. He'd always have a cooler, some, you know, uh, red lights and a plate of nachos for the opening bands. And we'd all hmm. go over there and, and like it was us and Brother Kane. Oh, I love and, oh, and he, he'd have beer for us and two bottles of Jack. And it was always really cool. Huh. Uh, as far as Eddie, I, I spoke to him a couple times with the, the, our first meeting it was pretty damn funny. Uh, we, um, it, you know, sometimes when you hear someone playing like Van Halen in the other room, yeah, it, it's not Eddie Van Halen, you know what I right, mean? Yeah. And, but in this case it was, and he had a little amp and, you know, cause you get so used to, people that that just copped his style and, right. and his technique and it's like well this is the guy that invented that shit you know what i mm -hmm. mean and then he just whenever he walked around he always had a guitar around his neck you know mm. an electric guitar not plugged in obviously but and he just talk and he'd play it and talk and play it and so he comes up i, I ran into him in the hallway outside our dressing room and during the daytime way before showtime and uh, he goes who are you <laughs> And I go, I go, I'm Rachel. I play with Skid Row. And he looks at me, he goes, Rachel, what kind of name is Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just look at him, I go, dude, I, I honestly don't even know how to respond to that question. You know what I mean? You're like, I'll change it so, right now, Mr. Ha Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, well, and I just remember looking at his headstock and just said Wolfgang there. And I was like, I don't know how to respond to this dude. Though. So <laughs> awesome. Wow. It's good to be on the tour. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? So uh, yeah, that was my, my one big encounter with Eddie. And um, you know, the other guys were all super cool. Yeah. All, all re really nice. To us. They, they, they uh, split out pretty soon after they were done, you know, but uh, getting to watch them from side of stage was, uh, you know, a, a huge learning experience, uh, especially Sammy, the way he just, grab the crowd you know what i mean he would it was like a host to a huge event you know yeah. what i mean but but that huge event just happened to be in his backyard and it was like a guy talking to like so many people that he knew and and watching that style of of showmanship was it just blew my mind like okay you don't have to always you know scream at a crowd or do this or but the, the way he handled a crowd and got them 
on his side was just insane, man. It was insane. Not like they weren't on his side because they were so big then. They had what, like two, three number one records at that point. Sure. And uh, just just watching him do what he does blew my mind. Just because uh, I've always been a Sammy Hagar fan from the Montrose days on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, no, he's great. And just watching those guys play and, and what a just crazy tight unit that they were was uh, mind boggling. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, this is around that time, the nineties that, like I said, the, you know, you're, you're waning in popularity. The, the, the scene is, it's more about the grunge and stuff. So the band kind yeah. of, uh, dissolves or whatever. Uh, we don't need to go into the details. I'm sure you don't want to relive that, but was there a sense of, I almost say like, maybe like relief for you in a little bit that you're like, oh, okay, like this is all like, or was it, I mean, were, I mean, maybe it was a mix of feelings. Were you sad? Like, Oh, this is the end of skid row or like, what, what were you thinking at that time? Well, you know, things were pretty bad within the band. Right. Um, you know, even with, with, with all of us, actually, it's just like never heard from each other when we were home. And most of us live 15 minutes from each other's house. Hmm. And it just, it, you know, it was just such, it just became, I don't know. It started to get not fun mm-hmm. at one point because it was just all the bullshit that went along with preparing to do stuff and, and whatever it was, it just, yeah, it, it was a relief in a way. It, it was, it was melancholy. You know what I mean? It, it was, it was a relief and good. I get to go home and just chill and, and, you know, recharge my batteries, but you know, where are we going from here? Mm-hmm. You know? So it was kind of, kind of waiting out, like a storm so to speak and just seeing what's what's going to be there when it goes by and you know it, it was years it was years and then we decided to get the band back together and and um you know in 2000 here we are 20 years later and still having fun and and doing a lot of shows well not now but um you know we're doing a lot of shows uh, 100 shows a year and and uh, that's a lot for a bunch of old guys <laughs> Yeah, so you reform the band. You guys do a couple albums with Johnny, uh, Thick Skin, Revolutions Per Minute, uh, the United, uh, what's it called? United Rebellion, United World Rebellion. Uh, the, yeah. There's like two parts, and then the third part's coming out uh, mm-hmm. with your new singer. So, uh, But then you guys split with Johnny, and then Tony Harnell was in the band for like a little bit, and that was just not a good match personality-wise or musically. Um, and right. so there, there was a brief time like five years ago where you were going to reunite with the whole original band, right? Um, or we, it we was were, mulling over. We we're entertaining the idea. entertaining the idea. Okay. Yeah. Um, quick detour. So I don't know. Did you see recently? Like Tommy Lee came out and he said uh, there's an article about him saying that he was drinking two gallons of vodka a day. How could you survive that? I I don't. Well, so here's my point. I, I interview a lot of musicians. A lot of the musicians go through this like drinking thing, and then like they get old and they're like, okay, well now I'm sober and I'm in rehab. Like. I don't want to hit this too much because I know you don't want to talk about this, but with Sebastian, do you think that is part of the issue why things fell apart and internally you think like the drinking and like, like if he went through a 12 step program or something, do you think that would change anything? And not, not with the reunion because I feel like that chip has sailed, but just in terms of the relationship, because he was your friend for like 10 years, right? Well, I, 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 all right, this is, here's the sound bite for blabbermouth, but oh, fuck. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say we were friends. We were bandmates. <laughs> you okay. know what I mean? Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't, you know what I mean? We're, we're two very different people. 
Yeah. But do you think yeah. that would change at least where you guys could be? Are you even cordial with like, if what do you ever see him? Like just like on in different. No. Yeah. No. Just like randomly. You don't run into him or anything. Have it in years. Okay. Have it in years. Yeah. All right. Well, so that shit, like I said, that ship has sailed. Um, you know, I'm a diehard fan. I'm a Skid Row fan. I'm a Sebastian fan. I'm, I'm, but I'm a fan of the new band. So tell me about your new singer, ZP. Scotty said he's the best singer you've ever had. Uh, I agree. I concur 100%. He, um, he used to sing for Dragon Force, um, European, like, I guess you could say a progressive metal band. Um, and I was a fan of his voice when they came out and I actually, I was in New York doing press and dragon force was playing what was then the Nokia theater. It's changed so many times. I don't know what it is now, but, uh, and I went and I was like, man, this guy is good. You know, he, he's so good. And years fast forward, a few more years, um, you know, dragon force is just blowing up and, and, uh, we had a mutual friend and, he uh he said hey I, I heard that z is going to leave dragon force z is a buddy of mine i heard he's going to leave dragon force and you were saying that you just wanted to put a, a fun side project together you should you should call him man and and just chit chat um so uh rob uh, hammersmith and i we we um the band had a gig in russia so Rob and I flew to England a few days before that and met with Z and said, yeah, man, let's do this. Let's put a side project together, have fun. And he was the coolest dude. So laid back. He drank beer. He had fun. He ate same, you know, pub food that we both like, you know what I mean? So it was just like, it was a, a, a friendship like that, you know, oh. and we kept in touch over the years. And then it, as it so happened, you know, he did leave dragon force and he started a band. I am I, our side project never materialized because skid row got so busy and just the, the distance, you know, just for a side project really didn't make sense. So, but we stayed in touch and we stayed friends. And then, uh, when things didn't work out with Tony, I think we may have emailed or called each other like within 10 minutes of each other saying, <laughs> Hey dude, it is time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So he flew to the States and, um, we got in rehearsal room and I, he goes, we're just like, what songs you want to do? He goes, you guys tell me, you know? And it's like, you tell me, he goes, I'm pretty sure I know all of them. <laughs> is he a, and, so he was a Skid Row fan. He was a Skid Row fan. Oh, yeah. Okay, nice. He lived in South Africa. We were one of his favorite bands. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, when um, we we were just like, okay, let's do, you know, we, we did the, the we call them the big five. And uh, we did those. And he's like, you want to go for something deeper? We're like, you know, beat yourself blind. And he's like, yep. And he did it. And he crushed it. And then we did some other stuff and he crushed it and crushed it and crushed it. And we're just like, this is ridiculous. And then our first gig was we were playing Mohegan Sun Arena and there were, you know, 3000 people. And it's just like, he's going out with a band he never did a live show with. And he's like, who wants to do shots? So we all do <laughs> shots before the show. Wait, and you guys are doing shots? Aren't you too old for shots and shit? 
Guess yes, not. we are. Does it stop us? No. <laughs> yes, we absolutely are too old to do shots. Do we stop? No. Uh, what do you do shots of? Uh, before the show, usually vodka, something nice. And Just clean. straight vodka. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, snake, uh, snake, and Z like them chilled. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll, I'll do the chilled shot with them. But oh. uh, yeah, Scotty doesn't drink and. Rob doesn't like to drink before a show. So oh, okay. it's just the three of us. And our, our thing is we do three, maybe not full one ounce shots, but our thing is three shots so that we could, you know, that's, that's our ritual. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, wow. so for this first show, we're all looking at each other. We're like, man, nothing phases this dude. Like I, like we've had guys in band in the band, like whether it was a drummer or another singer that have almost fallen apart before their first show with us. And I'm just like, there's 3000 people out there going bananas. And this dude just, he just went out, man. And he tore it up. And that was right there when Scotty came over to me on stage and said to me, this is the best damn singer we've ever had. I was like, yep. You know? And so, and the thing is too, is he's so about the band. He's just like skid row and just, just, full-on team player and just all about what what makes skid row better what you know and he he's he's very creative he's got a great opinion he's got a great outlook on life in general and a great outlook on when things are not going the way we expect them to you know and Hmm. it's infectious man it gets all he 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 gave this band a much needed shot just hmm. adrenaline and excitement to go back out and just do what we do best, you hmm. know? And, and now he's going on six years in the band. Uh, wait. Yeah. It's been that long. Holy crap. Yeah. He, he came in. No, he's going into year five, I guess. Cause he came 2015 in 16. Or 16. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Hell, wow, I don't yeah. Well, that's a pretty good sales pitch right there for the new singer. I, I'm excited. I haven't yeah. seen, I don't, I think when I saw you guys, no, I saw you with Johnny. I haven't seen mm-hmm. this new guy yet. I don't know. Have you been to Phoenix in the last few years? I don't know, but probably, I don't you'll know. You'll have to come back. And uh, once yeah. concerts start again, does ZP, does he do any of the songwriting? Does he contribute to the songwriting as well? Or he has. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with the stuff we're doing, he's, he's contributed a bit. Yep. Yeah. Tell yeah. me who yeah. else is, is a, you've got a uh, Corey Taylor. From Stone Sour, and, which, by the way, I didn't know you played bass on one of Stone Sour's albums. Another little side note trivia, but yeah, you're like friends with him, right? Yeah, the House on Golden Bones, the House yeah. on Golden Bones. I played on that double record. Um, yeah, he's a buddy, and and we said let's get together and write, and we got together uh, pretty quickly and wrote wrote some stuff, and uh, you know we'll probably write some more. It you know something we were both so busy, and it was like. Snake and I were there and, and Corey was doing his thing. He was recording with Stone Sour and and uh, on their last record. So our, everyone was kind of distracted, but we got some good stuff out of it. And we plan on getting together and doing some more. Yeah. And, and wrote, Lizzie you know. from Hailstorm co-wrote. Who is there? Any, who uh, other co-writers that on this album? Uh, yeah, we, we wrote with Lizzie and Joe. Uh, a tune that we really like um, all, all, all these songs were not that were still undecided because now we have so much time. We're actually rewriting some and, and whatever we wrote with Marty Fredrickson who wrote tons of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, He's been all over the place. Aerosmith. Aerosmith. And- Aerosmith yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Who else? I forget, but, but we uh, yeah, it's the first time we really extended ourselves to write with outside writers 
And, you know, we started with our friends because it, it was a new thing for us. So we're like, well, let's do it with people we're comfortable with and, and not just go and write with someone that uh, is strictly a songwriter. And, you know, who knows if we're going to even vibe with a person. So it was a big thing for us to, to put our egos to the side and say, let's go. Let's go write with other people. Yeah. Are you friends with. So this is crazy. I interviewed Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys. And he told me that uh, you guys had offered him an audition. I don't know if you offered him the job, but you were interested in having him try out for Skid Row. Is there truth to that? Like they even put that yeah. in the Wikipedia. Yeah. So there is truth to that. <laughs> I, bro- I broke that story. It's cra- I'm, I'm on your Wikipedia. If you go into the Wikipedia, it says Chuck Shoot Podcast. I'm like that. It, my jaw dropped when I saw that. That was crazy. That I'm like somehow associated with you guys is amazing to me. <laughs> That is so funny. Yeah, Wikipedia. That's the weirdest thing. Like anyone could go in there and edit it. I didn't do it though. I swear to God, it wasn't me. Somebody else did it. Yeah. But there's some dude I went to high school with that keeps going on there and putting himself as a past member of the band. (laughs) Our management is like, you don't know this guy. He He was never in a damn band. Um, That is hilarious. Yeah. uh, Uh. Yeah. No, we talked to Jason to see if he, he, uh, wanted to try out um johnny there was he was like supposed to be right after johnny oh okay and johnny just worked out and jason was busy he had like two bands going on and stuff he's like, got, like that. seven bands or something yeah he's crazy yeah yeah so it just it it you know but yeah jason's a good dude man i like that guy. yeah he's really cool would you ever do a tour with him in one of his eight bands <laughs> yeah man i like him he sent me some stuff i forget which of the bands it was, but it was really very metal, very heavy. It Igniter really or what? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Or what's the bro, <laughs> so uh, broken, broken? It wasn't Broken Teeth. Broken it Teeth. Wasn't, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got so many. Band. It was another one of his metal bands. It was cool stuff. Did you? So of the of the bands that you haven't toured, you said you wanted to tour with Foo Fighters, Judas Priest mm-hmm. or ACDC. And you've never you've never toured with any of those, right? But no. you want to. We'd love to. Have you ever met Alice Cooper? Cause you said that was like yeah. one of the, Oh, you did get to meet him. What was he like? I've heard yeah. he's really cool. He's great. Uh, actually wrote some songs with him back in 89. Really? Uh, when he was writing for Hey Stupid, they didn't make the record, but oh. my big win was getting to meet and write with Alice Cooper in my house. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. But Alice is one of those guys that are just, he's so nice, man. And you know, being such a huge influence on me, you know, you're sometimes you're afraid to meet your idols. You don't know what they're going to be like. And it's me it's, right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, obviously his character is so larger than life and he's just a cool dude, man. He just, the, the funniest thing when I first met him is he, um, <laughs> he had a staring contest with my cat because <laughs> my cat was just across the room and would not stop staring at Alice. And Alice just goes, your cat's having a staring contest with me or wants to have a staring contest with me. I go, yeah, he does that. And he just looks at the cat and goes, you're not going to beat me. And the cat just went <laughs> like that and looked away. It was the best <laughs> thing I've ever witnessed. <laughs> wow. That's, so, that's fun. I love stories like that. You got some good stories. Yeah, man. I've been around when you have a lot of stories. That means you're old. <laughs> yeah. Hey, as long as you're still kicking, this is good. You got any, any other stories that come to mind of uh, rock stars or touring or did you guys have, like, did you see the dirt? Did you see that movie? The dirt? Like, was that on a scale of like, uh, you know, the dirt and like, 
you know, AA, where were you guys? Where were you guys? Because like the you videos I saw, I, it was pretty crazy. I'm not big on biopics or biopics, however you yeah. pronounce that. But um, yeah, I got to say, I, I didn't make it too far into that movie just because when I see stuff like that and see people acting out, I, I, I don't know. I just, this is my own hang up. So I didn't see the movie. Really? But yeah, but I mean, me, like my partying never extended past like drinking you know what i mean really? i mean i tried stuff when i was younger but you know when during our whole time i mean jesus i just recently started like doing a hit of weed or eating a gummy within the last 10 years you know what i mean i just i just uh i never got into any kind of drugs um my whole thing was drinking I, you know that that was my extent of partying sometimes far too much you know but uh, yeah, that was my only kind of you know, recreation that was unhealthy. Yeah, no, that's pretty crazy. Well, I'm sorry, I took up way too much of your time, uh, but thank you for doing this. Oh, let's talk. Let's talk real quick. I want to uh, promote your. Uh, the, tell me about the dirty rocker soap. This is interesting. I didn't know. Um, it's my girlfriend always makes fun of me because I like the bar soaps. But yeah, I mean, you you created this. It's like bar soaps. Yeah, it um, it was an idea I had a, a couple years ago. Um, cause I was like, man, uh, well, here's how it started. A friend of mine, she makes soap and she has a small soap company. And, uh, I tried it. And I was like, wow, this is really amazing. Like all this all natural stuff in here is so much different than because I have eczema, right? right so yeah. it's like, I can't use deodorant soaps. I can't use a lot of like soaps with a lot of harsh perfumes and stuff like that. And a lot of times when you go to hotels, that's all they have. Mm. So I, I brought, um, I borrow her stuff on the road and I was just like, wow, this is, this is really amazing. So I'm like, man, I should start my own. Every, everybody has a coffee. Everybody has a hot sauce. Everybody has this and that. The other thing I said, man, it's something new. Um, and so I was, uh, got the, you know, needed to get the licensing and the trademarks and all that stuff. And I was like, hmm. if I do it, I wanted you know, I don't want to just license my name to something. I don't want just someone to say, hey, we make these and we want to put mm. your name on. So I just started from the ground up, man. And it was just going to kind of be a hobby. And I had I, I commissioned my friend to make some of them. And, uh, I, you know, we formulated together and they sold out in a couple of days. I built a website. I built a, you know, I was just very hands on. And and, um, and now w with all the downtime, it it launched and it uh it's pretty crazy it's, i know. love the uh the logo is really i haven't tried the soap yet i'm gonna get some but the logos again you hit another home run with like with the skid row logo but i had a question i was on the website and uh there, <laughs> there was like a section about returns i was like who's returning an eight dollar bar of soap i mean it's got to cost more to ship it than did you, I, I mean there's like a yeah, big thing like hey look at the ingredients if you're allergic to this stuff don't buy it you know but it's like yeah. Like, wow, yeah. who's, re did you have an issue with that where people were, were returning? No, oh, okay. no, I did it. I did it. I just did research, you know, oh, okay. and, uh, just did research of a, a lot of other smaller soap companies, mm -hmm. uh, like dirty rocker. And I'm like, yeah, cause I thought the same thing. I was like, who's going to return a bar of soap, you know? And <laughs> so, so weird. yeah, but so yeah, I, thought, I, I yeah. thought, and I was like, wow, every single one has this. Oh, okay. You know? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put it on there, you know, and yeah, better uh, safe than sorry, I guess. That, uh, What's that? 
That's funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> no, it's just funny because I was like, who's going to return an $8 barf? So, but there are people out there that are crazy. That, yeah, so no, that's smart. Um, so yeah, so the soap, we got uh, the new album is maybe coming out in 2021? Yeah, yeah. At some point? I'm hoping, I'm hoping for that with everything as crazy as it is. We have so much time to rewrite stuff and yeah. write more songs. But if I can, I want to mention this one thing that oh, okay. I just got involved with. It's called uh, Drive the Music. And, um, it, it's in conjunction with, um, what's the name of it? Uh, music venue Alliance Nashville. And it's all about, there's so many local Nashville, um, venues that have closed their doors and, and may have to close for good. And in order for them not to, uh, drive, drive the music Nashville, dot com you could go and get one of these shirts oh and for 30 bucks and 100 percent of the proceeds go to uh music venues um alliance of okay. nashville and um it it's it all these clubs are very similar like any band that you grew up listening to or i grew up listening to have come through clubs like this all over the united states oh, yeah. and all over the world and and we're just you know, I, I'm in Nashville now, and a lot of these venues, I have seen bands go through, and Skid Row has been in when we were coming up, and they're very, very important to music. So we're just trying to uh, raise enough money so we could hopefully keep these venues open um, and and to keep get music live again in Nashville. And um, any any support it's at, uh, would be appreciated. DriveTheMusicNashville.com. Yes get a shirt, show your support. Okay. I will do that for sure. And I'll get some soap and I'm hoping to see the new album. And then hopefully also your tour dates were rescheduled for 2021. Like that, uh, you had this big tour that you announced with a uh, rat, Tom Kiefer and slaughter. Yeah. And all those yeah, have just moved. Canceled. Did it not just No, that didn't move to 2021. It's canceled completely. That, that, that tour is canceled. Okay. I think rat and Kiefer are going to hook up, but I, I don't okay. know about that. But a lot of, most of our European shows just kind of got picked up and dropped into next year. Okay. A day or a day or two off to where they were this year. A lot of the U S shows are being rebooked now. Okay. Um, our China shows that got pushed to the beginning of 21 have now been pushed to the beginning of 22. So, um, wow. yeah, it's, it's weird, man. It's a very weird experience, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, hopefully, ho- hopefully, uh, we'll be back out there next year, but we're not going to go out too soon because we're not going to endanger anyone. Um, and we are planning when I don't know, maybe early next year, planning a live streaming event. Right. Uh, so, you know, stay tuned for that. Okay. And that's where we are, man. Very cool. Thank you so much. This is like, I you know you guys, another charity you work with the make a wish foundation. This was like my make a wish foundation. So thank you for doing this. It's amazing. <laughs> right on, it's really cool. I appreciate it. And, uh, Hope to see you guys uh, if you're in Phoenix or if you're close. I'll take a road trip. I've gone to Vegas and stuff like that. So I know I, I we actually I think we have Vegas booked, but we usually come through Phoenix or yeah. Tucson. Yeah, Tucson. I did. I drove. You you guys played with Warren LA Guns. I drove to Tucson to see that was a good show. So cool. Right cool. On, man. All right. Thanks so much. All right, dude. We'll All see right. you. Okay. Still pinching myself uh, that I had the bassist, songwriter, and founder of one of my all-time favorite bands on my show today. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that really happened. So I uh, had an absolute blast hearing all those stories from Rachel. I don't know. I, I 
feel like we kind of bonded a little. I don't know. Hopefully he'll do my show again, even though I asked the dreaded Sebastian question, uh, sort of. Though I, I got to say, uh, listening to him talk about his new singer, I mean, you can just you can see the excitement in his eyes. You can hear it in his voice. He just seems genuinely happy, and I just truly want that for everyone. And so even though I'm a diehard fan, and of course seeing a reunion of the original lineup someday would be cool, I really want to give the new singer ZP a chance. Uh, I'm really excited to see them live when concerts come back someday, and I'm, I'm actually looking forward to the new album. Uh, and also I'm definitely getting one of those t-shirts for Nashville and some of that dirty rocker soap. Uh, I will forever uh, be eternally grateful to Rachel for doing my show. And of course, I'm grateful to all of you for listening. Make sure to follow Rachel and Skid Row on social media so you don't miss any updates about their new uh, tour and upcoming album. Uh, Make sure to follow me on social media so you don't miss any updates on my show. Uh, The show's growing. I'm getting some great guests. And I think the names are just going to get bigger as time goes on. So go ahead and smush that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. In the words of Skid Row, no need to whimper, no need to shout. This party's over, so get the fuck out. Thanks for listening. Shoot for the moon.